We're continuing walking through the book of Philippians. Um, let's pull up a map of Africa. Um, the first physician to die of the AIDS virus in the United Kingdom was a follower of Jesus Christ. He had contracted it while doing medical research in Zimbabwe. So, so here, yeah, so here, uh, 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 up, there, 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 okay. You know who's there right now, right? Matt Straka? Yeah, okay, let's zero in on Zimbabwe. So Zimbabwe, and if you go, um, here's Victoria Falls, and, and Matt Strzok is hanging around right here. But anyway, that's where um, the research was taking place. And um, in the last days of his life, this doctor really kind of lost his ability to communicate. Um, he struggled increasingly uh, to express his thoughts to his wife and um, on one occasion, she just simply could not understand what he was trying to say, and so he had a he had a, a notepad by his bed, and he simply wrote the letter J on that note card. His wife got the medical dictionary and just kind of went through the J's and started speaking out words that she thought maybe he was referring to. Never got it right. And finally, she said, Jesus, and he was able to nod enough to say, that's it, Jesus. That was the right word. Why? Because Jesus was with them. That was all either of them needed to know, that um, Jesus was always with them. Just like in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, where Jesus made this promise, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And... Um, it's times like this, when you look at that medical doctor who was out front contracting AIDS, paying with it for his life, um, there's a price living on this planet. And I talked to my sister um, Friday evening. She lives um, north of Detroit. And she was talking about her daughter, my niece, who was uh, the teacher at Oxford High School where the shooting took place in November. Uh, she teaches there. Um, her kids go to school there. And I can tell you there was a lot of trauma that they went through and continue to go through. Well, anyway, my niece had a, has a very close friend that they attended church together. And several months ago, uh, my niece's friend had a crisis that she went through in the family. And she struggled. She struggled hard. And then just last week, uh, my niece's friend was found dead in her bed. And um, not knowing no why that happened. But when you, when you, walk through life, there's pain and there's suffering. And each of us have our times of crises that we have to walk through and navigate through. 
And that's why this couple, this doctor and his wife, uh, just days before he passed away, reaffirmed to each other that Jesus promises to always be with us. He promises to be with you. And friends, I don't know what you're going through today. Whatever crises you might be experiencing, Jesus Christ is here, and he's here with you. When you leave this building, he's going to go with you, and we can have that promise. But as we live life on this planet, it's in times where we go through tough, tough things, man, challenges, troubles, etc. We discover what we really believe, don't we? I mean, that's where it happens. Anybody can trust the Lord when everything's going rosy, when everything's cool, there's no problems. Um, but it's a bigger challenge to rejoice, to give thanks and walk by faith when our faith is tested. We know that to be true. We go back to the Revolutionary War, the terrible condition of George Washington's troops in the winter of 1776 prompted Thomas Paine to publish a series of inspirational pamphlets known as the American Crises, which opens with the famous line, these are times that try men's souls. They tried men's souls back then, and living on this planet, it's trying men and women's souls right now. And maybe you feel challenged. And maybe you feel, <laughs> you know, life isn't fair. And the question is, can you handle these challenging times? Because that's where we're at. Will you walk in worry or will you walk in God's peace? That's a decision each one of us have to make. And this morning, I'd just like to say right off the top that it takes grit. That word grit has kind of been settling in my mind the last few weeks. It takes grit to follow Jesus Christ. Doesn't it? Indeed. You look at what that word means, it means courage, resolve, strength of character, character, and we need that today, man. It's easy to do what everybody else is doing. It's, it takes grit to follow after Jesus Christ, even in the midst of problems and trials and troubles. And so we're going to take a look once again at Philippians 4, walking through um, 1 through 7. Let's read that. If you have your Bibles, you can open them. That's where we're going to camp out these next few minutes. Philippians 4, starting at verse 1. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds 
as you live in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We're grateful for the opportunity that we have to open it together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. And we pray that your spirit will oh, challenge us and tap us on the shoulder and continue to move us closer to you, Lord. That's our desire. And for those that might be here that are questioning their faith or looking for faith in this journey, I pray that you'll make yourself known, Lord, in a very personal way. We trust you, God, with these moments in time. In Jesus' name, amen. So who wrote this encouraging, discouraging letter? <laughs> Man, uh, I mean, when you think about it, always be full of the joy. And you're just sitting there thinking, are you kidding me, Paul? You know, what do you want, a beach somewhere? You know, you're on a cruise somewhere. Life is going great for you. It's easy to say, man, when everything is cool. No, 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 no. No, Paul's under house arrest in Rome, 800 miles away from this church that he's writing to. But even though he's under house arrest, he is a man at peace. He's at peace. And um, he's in chains to a Roman soldier. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's been going on for two years. I don't know about you, man. Think about living like that. Not for a week, not for a month, not for a year, but two years. And it looks like there's no way out. He's not getting a memo, an email from the outside saying, Paul, we're going to break you out next week. You know, that's why he's all fired up. That's why he's rejoicing. No, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Here's Paul, a man who traveled freely. He had, he had the opportunities going to here, to here, to here at will. And now he's under house arrest and everything is shut down in his world. Now you can imagine just mentally what he was going through. All of his critics were on the outside. They were free. They were literally competing against his ministry, and Paul could do nothing about it. And yet he was at peace. How can it be? Well, this man is under house arrest, and he is not a chronic worrier. You don't get that from Paul here. You get, you get something, that, something refreshing, man. It's like a cup of cold water. And in this text today, man, we're going to, we're going to apply it to our lives personally. And in this raging sea that the world we're living in, we can have a tranquil calm that covers our hearts, all because of Jesus Christ. Now, there's an old Sunday school song that I never heard before. Maybe you did. And I'm going to try and sing it. I had to go on YouTube a few times, man. It's kind of a, kind of a snappy tune. Uh, we've got the lyrics up on the screen here. <laughs> and it's got a little twang to it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Cheer up, ye saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. 
Remember, Jesus never fails, so why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry and worried at all tomorrow morning. Yeah. Woo! Well, that's going to be on the uh, song list, you know. Uh, Life Church, you can pick it up uh, next Sunday. Listen to the lyric. Well, you've got the lyrics. I don't. You don't have to listen to them again. But cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never fails. So why not trust Him and shout? <laughs> You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah. I'm sure this song came out of Philippians four. So when you're reading it this week, uh, just think about that song. Yeah, remember Jesus never fails. And keep on rolling. So quick review over number one and two, and you've got your answers in your, in your outline. I had somebody come up after church last Sunday, and they were already filling in the empty blanks that we never got to, and they wanted to know if they were right. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, come next Sunday, you'll find out. <laughs> So, uh, oh, how I love you. Verse 1, uh, Paul writing, therefore, to my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. We kind of hit this a little bit last Sunday, too, that Paul had a great love for this church. Yes, he planted it. And uh, it had been 10 years since he had been with those folks, but yet they were close to his heart. And he's He's challenging them out of love, like a parent would to their children. Hey, stay true to the Lord. Yeah, life is tough. Life has challenges, but at the end of the day, I want you to stay true to the Lord. That's what really counts. And I have to tell you, man, that's what I, I encourage our, our kids, myself. I talk to myself that we need to stay true. And Paul is using a military term here, and he's, it's, it's the imagery of a commanding officer telling his command, this is your post, this is your position, I don't care what happens on the battlefield, you're not moving. You're going to hold this ground. That's the mindset that Paul is having here. Hold your ground no matter what happens. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you this morning, no matter what's going on in our world today, you need to put a stake in the ground, put a line in the sand or whatever you have to do, but say, I'm going to stay true to the Lord. Right? At the end of the day, man, we're going to stay true to the Lord. And he goes on with this really affection that he has for, for these people, not only saying, I love you, but I long to see you. And that word long... Um, expresses uh, uh, some intense affection there for the people. He longs to see them, and then he calls them dear friends. And I have to tell you, when I, when I read this verse, and you read this verse, it just, I think of life church, you know? I think of yous, you alls, uses, wees, you know? Really, I, I think that's, that's how we feel about coming together and seeing each other and hanging out with each other. Really. 
And I'm, I'm so encouraged by that. What a gift. And Paul experienced that while he was in Philippi. And then, so he's challenging the church to stay true. And then in number two, resolve the conflicts with you. There are two ladies that got into it. <laughs> I don't know if one burned a lasagna and the other one, you know, I don't know. Didn't it bring the jello to the, to the potluck? I don't know what happened here, but there was a conflict. And Paul refers to them, you can read it in verses 2 and 3, that they, were, they worked side by side with Paul in planting this church. They, they were, you know, really the, helping the foundation of this young church. They invested their time, they invested their money, their gifts, etc. And so Paul, you know, is saying, really, if you, when you read that, you, could, you can consolidate those two verses to where Paul is saying, knock it off, ladies. Right? Let's get on with it. Because why? You belong to the Lord. That's what he's challenging them. You belong to the Lord. In other words, this is bigger than what you want and your feelings. You know. And the second thing is your names are in the book, the great book, the book of life. Man. You want your name in the book of life. And I just want to ask, is your name in the book of life today? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, boom, there it is. And that book is going to be open, Revelation 21, 27. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, talking about heaven, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And you want your name there. You don't want to hope it's in there or cross your fingers, you hope it's there. No, no. It's there when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have that promise. Euodia and Syntyche had their names in the book of life. And Paul was saying, listen, ladies, again, you belong to the Lord and your names are in the book of life. Think about that and reconcile this disagreement between you. Work it out because this problem hurts Christ's name. It defames Christ. It hurts his reputation, doesn't it? That's why, friends, really, at Life Church, man, we are pursuing unity where we love one another, we defer to one another. Why? Because it's not about us, it's about the kingdom of God advancing and growing. We want people to come into the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. Number three, Be full of joy no matter what. This is where some of your feathers are going to get ruffled this morning. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And that's when you put your ears, you know, your fingers in your, I don't want to hear it. I like being grumpy. I like being the worrier. You know, it pushes the envelope because that's not our comfort level though. To what? Always be full of joy in the Lord. And Paul says, oh, by the way, I say it again, in case you didn't catch the first one, rejoice. I'm going to say it again. This is a command, by the way, um, and it's a command because it's tough. It's tough to obey, really. It really is. It's a challenge. But here's the cool thing. Paul is saying this is not impossible. It is possible when you have faith in Christ. So Paul is urging believers to rejoice. That word rejoice, joy, it's the same word in the Greek. It's an imperative verb, which means it should be happening continuously. 
It's not just on Sundays. Paul doesn't put a little footnote in here. Oh, by the way, when you have church on Sunday at the gathering, get all fired up. Let the joy and rejoice together. And then when you leave in a parking lot, get angry. Cut people off on the way up Brandywine Trail. You know? That's not what he's talking about. This is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is something that we need to be committed to. It's continual, it's habitual that we rejoice, that we are always full of joy. There's a cartoon about a middle-aged man with a frown on his face. He wears a T-shirt that reads, please don't ask me to have a nice day. (laughs) Maybe you can identify with that. I don't want to have a nice day. Don't tell me to have a nice day. (laughs) Well... How about W.C. Fields? He said, I start off each day with a smile and get over with it. (laughs) Hopefully that's not you, right? And you've heard when you go to the dentist, the dentist will tell you, we want you to have a nice smile because it takes less energy to smile than it does to frown. You know that. That's medically true. And the dentist endorses that. How many of you are glad for dentists? Yeah, man, that's it. Um, This is a command to rejoice, and it's the only command that's repeated back to back like that. Think about it. Why is that? Because we tend to forget, don't we? When circumstances or a situation goes south, we believe we have the right to worry, to become grumpy. Paul says, always be full of joy. And it's not talking about put on a happy face. You know, I get it where, you know, you come to church and somebody may come up and say, hey, how's it going? How was your week? And maybe it was brutal. But you think, well, because I'm in church, I'm going to (laughs) lie. And you put on that smile and you say, everything's cool, man. It was awesome. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about being a phony person when we're talking about joy and rejoicing. That's not. He is saying um, this rejoicing is not going to be contingent on your outward circumstances. I think all of us could lean into that today, couldn't we? Our outward circumstances may not be the greatest right now. But... It's beyond that. It's deeper than the outward circumstances. Once again, Paul is under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard. And you hear him whining, complaining. Do you think he's worrying about how he's going to get out? No. He's talking about rejoicing. And he gives no loopholes here. See, there's no PSs along the way. Always be full of joy. Because Jesus was with him. Paul recognized that even under house arrest, Jesus was with them, just like the doctor and his wife. In those last days together, they recognized that Jesus was with them. That's what we need to do. We need to recognize that, keep that in the front of our minds. Paul's rejoice does defy the thankless, complaining culture that we're living in. But real quick, 
In this verse we see, first of all, it's a command. We already talked about that. Always be full of joy in the Lord, and I say it again. And once again, the Greek word means to keep on rejoicing. Don't give up. Don't put a period behind it. He doesn't say, man, it'd be nice if we rejoiced or suggesting, you know, hey, if you feel like it, you can do it. Or we're going to have a seminar on rejoicing. No, Paul's not going down that road either. He just says, just do it. Just like he told the ladies to snap out of it and reconcile their differences. He's basically saying the same thing here. Just rejoice because that should be normal course for a follower of Jesus Christ. That's normal. So happiness, yeah, happiness, we're going to hit that in a minute because not only is it a command, it's a mindset. Really, it's an attitude. We have a decision to make, a choice to make. Am I going to choose to be joyful or am I going to choose to be grumpy? Every single one of us make that same decision every single morning when we get out of bed. We have a choice to make. Happiness is tied to circumstances. We're happy when things go well, but when the things go south, that happiness disappears. That's why Paul is not talking about outward circumstances. He's talking there's something inside of you, in your core, that motivates you, that drives you to be a joyful person. And so when we think about sin, you know, we think, well, did I kill somebody yesterday? That's pretty deep. You know, that's sin. Paul is saying, if you don't rejoice because it's a command, you're disobeying God. That's a sin. We go back to this, okay, can I, you know, it's <laughs> multiple choice, A, B, C, or D. You know, today I'm just going to be semi-grumpy. No, Paul is saying, listen, you need to be full of joy always. You need to rejoice. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you should be known for being a joyful person. So it's a command. When you don't obey a command, it's disobedience. Disobedience is sin. John 15, 11, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Where does that joy come from? It comes from Jesus. He's the source. You'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. How many of, how many of us today can say, man, I could use some overflowing joy right now, right? Yeah, man, let's do it. So joy, Paul is saying, is independent from our circumstances. So he's saying you don't have a right let your joy disappear because something went bad in your life. William Barclay put it this way, the Christian is a person of joy. The Christian is the laughing cavalier of Christ. A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms, and nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its black clothes and long faces. It's true. I have to tell you, man, the church I grew up in, yeah, wasn't happy, wasn't joyful. So you have to override your environment, 
Maybe you think, man, I go to work, it just feels so gloomy there. Well, bring some joy. You know, bring a cup of joy. <laughs> they know you're a follower of Christ. Bring some joy, man. Bring some light in that place. Yeah. Man, I got a neighbor. I won't tell you where he lives, but he's a neighbor. He lives on my block, and so that gives you a lot of options. Anyway, he's Mr. Grumpy. I mean, we had a conversation about a week ago. He says, I hate the world. You know? That's his mindset. He never smiles, and I, oh, that's my goal is to try to get him to smile. You know? When I go out and I see him, I say, hey, man, did you miss me? Let's get some. Let's get some joy on the block. And uh, anyway, God's put him there on purpose for me to challenge him, <laughs> to bring some joy into his life. And uh, that's what God's doing in you and me together, for sure. So it's a command. It's a mindset. Number three. It's anchored in the Lord. Notice where Paul goes with this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And we've already hit that it's, you know, we have to walk in obedience. Paul says it's a command. So, okay, if it's a command, I'm going to do it. Um, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. And if we say we love the Lord, friend, I don't care how hard it is. We need to say, Lord, help me demonstrate that joy in my life. I will be a joy carrier. I will rejoice with your help. And that's what it's about. I, I read this uh, a couple weeks ago, man, and it jumped out at me in Psalm 1611. Maybe you want to put this one on your refrigerator. It says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Isn't that good? Man, when I read that, I just, I just stopped and camped out on that for a while. And man, oh God, you are so good. And in the Greek, it, it, it reads, you have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Isn't that good? Yeah. Man. So good. Man, Lord, thank you for Psalm 1611. You know? So good. Rob Morgan, Christian author, we may not be able to rejoice in our load, but we can rejoice in our Lord. I know that's tricky for a Sunday morning, but it's true. It's true. We may find no joy in our situation, but we can rejoice in our Savior. To rejoice in the Lord means we rejoice in our unassailable, unchanging relationship with the sovereign Lord and in his qualities, gifts, promises, and attributes. That's where it comes from. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, just a good reminder that he is so good. He's so good. And, and so Paul is under house arrest. And you might be thinking, well, that's not fair. Paul is under house arrest. He knows, where he's, he knows where he's getting his next meal. You know what? Paul is speaking from experience. That's what I like about Paul. He doesn't say, do this. 
and he does something different. He does it and then says, you follow my example. In, in Acts 16.25, Paul and Silas are in the bottom of a dungeon. They've been basically tortured, whipped in stocks at the bottom of this pit of a dungeon. And it's midnight. And Paul says, put that record on one more time. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, what's a record? Uh, well, I'm, I'm dating myself right now because <clears throat> when, I was, when I was a young dude, I had a record player in my bedroom. And I purposed that I would go to sleep with God on my mind. Okay? That was, that was, I was part of uh, you know, developing, man. I'm committing myself to Christ, and I am committing that my mind is, is with him when I go to sleep. And so um, back in the day, you had the Jesus uh, culture, Jesus people, people. And they came out with some good music, man. And I would put I would put those records on, and let you know. And at the end of the song, it would automatically turn off. Isn't that cool? You didn't have to worry about turning it off. Thinking, man, you're going too deep here this morning. Too deep. Too deep. There is something. You know, where we are intentional about hanging out with God. And Paul is telling Silas, Silas, put that record on one more time. You know, we've got a microphone here. It's going to blast through the, through the sound system in this prison. People are going to know we are happy. We are joyful. We're going to rejoice in the Lord. And look at that verse. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. What kind of joy do you have to have when you're singing in prison, in a dungeon, at midnight? Huh? Is that real joy or phony joy? Man, you find out what you believe when you're in a situation like that, right? And Paul and Silas, <laughs> you talk about a bad situation. They said, man, we're going to rejoice in the Lord down here. And everybody's going to hear us rejoice. They're not going to hum it. They're not going to think about it in their head. They're going to sing out loud. Because it says, oh, the other prisoners were listening. Man, that's a, that's, a, that's a joy worth cultivating, right? That's the real deal, man. I want that. It's not, you can't go to Walmart and pick it up on aisle 13, this comes from the Lord and Him alone. Bruce Larson, Christian author, Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. The bottom line for you and me is simply this. Grimness is not a Christian virtue. There are no sad saints. If God really is the center of one's life and being, joy is inevitable. If you if we have no joy, we have missed the heart of the good news and our bodies as much as our souls will suffer the consequences. Isn't that right? Yeah. <sighs> Listen, I hit this earlier, but we don't deny or disguise our feelings. Man, if, if, it's, if it's rough, 
We get it. There are times that we grieve and there are times that we carry sorrow with us. We carry pain with us. I understand that. But Paul is saying, let the Spirit of God bring healing to you. Let Him do it. Case in point, during a break at a Christian woman's conference, Johnny Erickson Tata was asked about her joy. Now look at, look, look at this picture. Quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down since she was 17. She's got a smile on her face. Do you see that? So listen, this talk this morning, friends, I get it. We, we are in a battle. We carry problems. We go through problems. We go through crises. We come out of crises. But she was asked about her joy, and she said the women wanted to know how she could look so happy in her wheelchair. She said, I don't do it. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning. This is an average day. I breathe deeply. After my husband Ken leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. When I listen to her make coffee, I pray, Oh Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth and send me out the doors. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day, but you do. May I have yours? God, I need you desperately. I turn my head toward her, my friend, and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine. It's God's. And so I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. You see it? Johnny is saying, I have to make a decision every day. Will I rejoice? Will I be full of joy? Always? She makes that decision. Number four, step up by modeling Christ. Verse 5a Paul is saying, man, after you and we have learned to rejoice and be full of joy always, it should impact how we treat other people. Step up by modeling Christ. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. You notice when you are rejoicing, you tend to defer to other people more freely. Have you noticed that? Huh? You've been in a long line, you've been waiting, and somebody cuts in front of you. And you rejoice. You are full of joy. It's a good test, isn't it? Sure it is. There is something, man, I, I, speaking from experience, I think Paul had spent time with the Lord and he was able to realize that the Lord was with him wherever he went, even in the bottom of a dungeon. And he could rejoice. 
And I know personally the times that I spend with God and you come out of that place. I'm telling you. You are considerate. You are more considerate than you normally would be because the presence of God has been deposited into you, fresh. And so that's what Paul is saying. Let everybody see that you're considerate. It's another command, by the way. And you say, I don't feel like being considerate. I don't want to be considerate. Well, Paul says it's a command. We know about commands, right? We want to obey. And so when he's saying be considerate, it comes from the character of Christ. It means to be mild in reacting to another person. It means a call for patience with those who would other provoke you to anger. It means to overlook the faults of others. It means being willing to yield your own rights to show consideration to the other person. Does that sound familiar? Huh? Are we good at that? I need help. Do you need help? We need help. Paul is saying, man, when you rejoice, that will overflow into you being more considerate with other people, extending grace to them when your faith is being challenged. That's what Paul is saying. May they see that. It should be Christ-like. And then, number five, Paul says, don't forget he's coming soon. Look at verse 5b. Remember the Lord is coming soon. That will help you get through those tough challenges that we face. You will be more considerate because you know the Lord is coming soon. Uh Uh-huh. You're fully aware of that. You haven't forgotten about it because the Lord is coming soon. I want to live for him, man. I want to be strong for him today. Remember the Lord is coming soon. The Lord's nearness and his coming energizes Paul's commands to rejoice and to be considerate. The Lord is coming soon refers to the fact that, yes, the Lord may come at any time. But also, it refers to that the Lord is continually near his people. So he's he's near us now. But we have the promise that he's coming back for us as well, which should be really a source of encouragement, right? Yeah, he's coming back for us. Jesus is closer than our breath, and he is returning soon. When we think about it, we should rejoice, right? We should. The Lord is coming soon. We can sing a song about it and make it up, and we are so happy. Revelation 22, last book in the Bible, chapter. Verse 7, look, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Verse 12, look, he says it again, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 20, he who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Amen. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. You ready for that? So I will be full of joy and rejoice 
and I will be considerate in all I do because I know the Lord's coming soon. See how that all ties in together? Paul knitted it in a beautiful way here. And so, there we have it. How's that going for you today? Talking about what Paul is saying, always be full of joy in the Lord, and I say it again, rejoice. How's that working out? Mm. You need to know that as Paul has kind of built this foundation, um, it ties in beautifully with the world that we're living in today. May God help you and I to consistently carry that joy, to rejoice in Him, to allow Him to use each one of us for His honor and glory. So, Father, we thank You today that as Paul was under house arrest and writing these words of encouragement to each one of us in 2022, we are grateful that it applies to us, Lord. It's where we live. It's tough rejoicing. It's tough to be full of joy. We can make excuses why it's tough. Paul didn't make excuses. He just said, do it. Because you're a follower of Christ. Because Christ is living in you. He's equipping you. He's depositing that joy in you. So that you can demonstrate that to those around you. Lord, this morning we recognize we need your help for that to happen. And so we want to model you, Lord. We want to be considerate and we want to remember that you're coming soon. And today, as you know, each person here, those watching online, you know, you know where we're at, what we're going through. And so we need your help. We do, Lord. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, as we have talked about joy, that it comes from the Lord, He's here. And He loves you. And He wants you to be with Him in heaven forever. And, the, and He wants your name in the book of life. And for that to happen, you can say, Jesus, I recognize you died on the cross for my sin. And you paid for my sin debt in full. You became my substitute. And because of that, I'm putting my trust in you. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins today. And I'm allowing you, Lord, to move in and become my master. And I will live for you for the rest of my life through the power of your spirit. So thank you, Jesus, for paying my sin debt in full. Thank you for doing that. 
And friend, if you made that decision this morning, your name is in the book of life. It's a great place. A great promise. So here we are, Lord. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for speaking to us, challenging us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen.